Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. First look at ownership, first look at top stacks for the week. Today's show, of course, presented by Prize Picks. I'm Dave Lochran over at Twitter, Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D, and Matt Gajeski joining me as always at Matt underscore Gajeski, G A J E W S K I, for any of you wondering. Matt, what's cracking, brother? Not too much, man. Just trying to recover from last week's crazy set of upsets again. It's now two weeks in a row, and it seems to be a theme of the regular season. A lot of what we're expecting to happen hasn't necessarily played out on the field. It's been great for DFS from that regard, especially for those of you playing contrarian, but it, it's been really interesting. I think another big wrinkle of the NFL season has been the injuries, and those have just been two unique pieces of the season, which has made it really fun, but also really challenging at times. I mean, it really is remarkable, though, how many key players, how many you know top tier players have gotten hurt. I'm, I'm sure I, I'm sure it's not unprecedented, Matt, but when you're in the thick of it, I think recency bias plays a role as well. Uh, just short term memory when it comes to this stuff. But is it me or does it actually feel like we've had an insane amount of top tier injuries from some of the best players this year? I think so. When you look at like the first round of our drafts, so many of them been hurt the second round as well. These top tier players from our like seasonal leagues are all injured. And those are obviously the premier players we play for DFS too, the guys we prioritize the difference makers. And I can't really remember, remember a year where there was this many and it, it's not just injuries either. You have like Odell Beckham switching teams where it seems like he's going to have like three bye weeks at this point, like Calvin Ridley taking the leap of absence. There's been a lot of just star players off the field for one reason or another. Yep, no question. And, uh, hey, we're happy to have you guys with us, as always. Kyle, what's up? Tulsa Dog, what's up, fella? No, that that burp was a water burp, as a matter of fact. When I drink water sometimes, Matt, I feel sometimes I just don't feel great. I told you I didn't get great sleep last night, didn't get home from hockey till like, midnight. Sometimes I'll just chug a bottle of water, right? Gets me feeling a little bit better, rehydrated and then rip off a, a nice burp and go back to the coffee. So, no, I was uh, did have a turkey gobbler last night from Wawa, though, and my God, was that delicious. You know what they are, Matt? I do, I, isn't Wawa a regional place, like yes. out by you? You're a smart okay, man. Okay, I've never had it, but I have heard of it. You're a smart man. When we hang out, I'm bringing you some stuff. What, what kind of food is it? It's like gas station food. <laughs> oh, dude, I love gas station food. Okay, good. But, no, it's legit gas station food, like, their hoagies are very good. You know what I mean? It's not like you go in and there's, you know, shit on the floor. It's not like a Texaco gas station. It's many of them. So Wawa started off without gas stations, if that makes sense, right? Like a convenience store. Now they have gas stations, like the super Wawa's. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I love gas station food. I was telling some of my friends that <laughs> my favorite restaurant is a gas station out here called Quick Trip. You probably, I don't know if it's Wait, your around. favorite, your favorite restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a gas station. Yeah. hundred percent. No matter, no matter what time of day, whenever I, they don't have them in Milwaukee where I live right now, but they're all over the state of Wisconsin. So whenever I drive to like see my folks or something and I stop at a Quick Trip, I get a hot dog, no matter what, even if it's like 8am, I'm getting a hot dog. That's a, oh, dude, gas station, Wawa hot dogs too. They're delicious. They have like the quarter pounder hot dogs. Oh, I want one of those. I want one right now. I might actually head out after this show and grab a hot dog, ketchup, you're, relish, mustard. Yes. You're speaking right? my language, man. Oh, dude, you got me, got me going now. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, um, 
I forgot. I was going to say something relatively unimportant, but we appreciate you guys being here. And if you haven't done so yet, hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. What are we at? Are we at 66,000, almost 66,000 subs? We're about to hit 70K. I think by like week 14, week 13, Matt, that'd be pretty sweet. We got Thanksgiving. Speaking of the turkey gobbler, which is really just uh, Thanksgiving dinner on a roll and a bun, which is amazing. Some great Amarosa rolls. We've got Thanksgiving football coming up in a week. Like you and I are going to be talking Thanksgiving football next Wednesday on this very show. I can't wait for that. Thanksgiving slates, one of my favorites. I will admit, and I have to be honest and forefront here. It has not been my favorite DFS slate from an ROI perspective. Me neither. But man, is that thing fun. And it creates a lot of really unique opportunities. Everything we talk about on this show from like ownership is exacerbated. You have players that are upwards of like 70, 75% owned because it's only a three game slate. But I mean, it draws so much attention from the national spotlight. So many more casuals play because they have a day off of work. They're with their families and they want some action on these games. And it's not just the main slate either, like three showdowns. It's going to be awesome. For sure. I, I tell you what, it might be my worst slate from an ROI standpoint, but I'm a sucker for it. Like, how do you not play? You have to, I, same with me. Like I remember maybe two or three Thanksgivings ago, I just like way above my bankroll, my normal, my normal playing style went way above that. And then it was the Marvin Jones slate where he was still with Detroit and he had like the three scores, but everybody was on, on Kenny Galladay. He was mispriced in the high on Detroit receiver. I like outright faded Marvin Jones played Galladay and just got absolutely dusted in front of my family. So that was nice, <laughs> but sometimes those happen. Yo, all right, let's dive into this. Let me ask you something though. What's the wildest thing you've ever eaten from like a gas station food? Cause I, my, at the time girlfriend, now my wife, I swear she was going to see contemplated leaving me when I walked out of a Sunoco with a pulled pork sandwich. Oh, that's a pretty good one. That's a good one, right? That's a pretty good one. I don't at think like I have anything that crazy. Driving home from the beach. I usually just get hot dogs. Okay. You're just a hot dog guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What do you get at your favorite restaurant, Matt? Eh, hot dogs. <laughs> I tell people all the time, hot dogs are my favorite food. No, oh, that made my that. morning. That's awesome. All right, let's do this. Ray P, thank you for the super chat, brother. $20 super chat. Now I'm craving a Wawa tuna sub with oregano and black pepper. Good to have a few laughs, and thanks for all the work you guys do. Two top tens in the Yahoo Baller this year. That's awesome. These shows help me get there. Good luck. Did you see the, you probably didn't. Did you hear about the NBA deeper dive yesterday with Adam's haircut and the chat? Adam Sherry got a haircut. Oh, dude, they, I, I couldn't read chat because I tried so hard to keep, I tried so hard to stay professional, Matt. Plus like, I know the haircut is sacrosanct to a man, right? Like a good haircut. And he just getting lambasted. And I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. I haven't said a word. I'm powering through this. And then I see a comment that said, Adam's barber only has feet. And I, <laughs> I lost it. Dude. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, what happened to him? Was it, was know, it like an accident? Is, was, was that? Was it like an, an accident? Like a No, no, is, no. It's funny because he always wears, he could have just worn a hat. But the problem is it was the lighting. So I don't think it was nearly as bad. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to ride for my guy, Adam, on this one because I don't know. But I don't think it was nearly as bad as the lighting made it seem because of the way we had an over. Jordan told him to put an overhead light on, which was just a bad idea. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. But uh, everybody, like Anthony said, I knew it, Lafayette. It was like, there's no way he's not seeing these comments. Matt, I tried so hard. And like Jordan had the camera on me at one point, and you could see I'm trying not, like I'm, try I'm doing everything in my power not to laugh. And then when that comment came across, that was, that was, ugh. Look, man, the chat, the chat, I love you guys. You can be ruthless sometimes. And that's, oh, what ruthless. Makes, that's what makes the show funny. I've been on the end of it too in a haircut. I mean, sometimes that's one of the worst things. So why you got to go with the hat? I've lost some high stakes fantasy football bets with some of my buddies from college and high school. Once I had to dye my hair blonde, and this is back in the day when I was on my like my like own stream. So you guys can't find this video anymore. Thank goodness. But one time <laughs> I had blonde hair on a stream. And then after that, like the next few weeks, I had to shave it down to the stubs like no guard. And then the funny thing about that is, is I didn't account for the tips being blonde when it grew back out. So I had to buzz it again all the way down. <laughs> Wait, I bet we could still find it on the fantasy football channel. It's deleted. De oh, you deleted it? I've covered my tracks. Did you hide it or delete it? Because I could unhide it. It's deleted. I can make it public. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll post a picture on Twitter of my That would be great. So you guys that can would be see great. it. That would be great. And yeah, chat, I'm pretty sure nobody was profitable yesterday if they only watch the deeper dive, because the only thing anyone was doing was commenting. The chat was flying. All right. Let's talk running backs, Matt, because I could do this all day. Uh, the, the week 11 slate is very interesting from a couple of standpoints. One, you have James Conner, who you could look at last week and be like, oh, man, he wasn't very good. But what I would say is he salvaged what could have been a miserable performance because they were behind 28 nothing at half, and he still played 82% of snaps in a blowout. And now you have A.J. Dillon as well, who had a ton of looks last game and played less than 50% of snaps. So these are two mid-range backs, both in that low 6K range, that I think, and I will say it right now, deservedly so, are going to be popular and I'm very hesitant to get away from these guys given the expected volume. What about you? I agree with you. My, my first thought on Monday, I write the first look article for us is like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like these guys are in such good spots, but for one reason or another, they've disappointed at times this year. So I was like, are these guys going to come in a little lower on than we think, but based on the current like landscape of DFS, I, I think just with how much content people take in and the sharpness of the field, they'll come in higher owned. And I think there's a lot of reasons to like both. With A.J. Dillon, again, 21 carries, he didn't even get 50% of the snaps. So, I mean, that's easily going to shoot way, way up now without Aaron Jones. And they just don't have any other viable rushers on their team. Like, their third-string back special teamer, Kylan Hill, tore his ACL. He's gone. Their next guy in line is an undrafted free agent out of Memphis, Patrick Taylor. I think the kid's actually got some juice. He played ahead of Kenneth Gainwell at Memphis until he broke his foot. So, we went undrafted in the process. And he's, he's a decent back. He's been with the team for a few years now. He's a practice squad guy, so he has some familiarity. All that said, A.J. Dillon's still way, way ahead of him on the target totem pole, the running back, like rushing attempts totem pole. I would be surprised if he's, he sees anything within like fewer than 20 touches. We've actually seen Dillon somewhat involved in the pass game. And the matchup is fantastic to you. Green Bay, still a favorite, 49-point total. Everything adds up for Dillon. I, I mean, at this point, what do you think his ownership – efficient ownership should be because I, I'm not sure he's going to come in high owned enough. Um, it's a really tough question to answer. And that's with these like really good plays, especially at running back at cheaper sure. prices. That's, that's what I always struggle with is okay. He's going to be chalk, but how owned should he be? And I think we have some options like James Conner, who we'll get to in a second where maybe he doesn't come in as high owned as he should. I'd say like, he should be around 30, honestly. I think so too. 
I mean, and you make some good points because think about this. It's not just that he's going to get volume, but Minnesota's run defense is not very good, right? They're allowing the third highest yards per carry in the league, 133, I think it is, rushing yards per game. Um, there, there's, there's, a, there's a number of, of areas where you can look at this Minnesota team and say, listen, they're just not very good at containing opposing running backs. And I, this is also a Green Bay team that is not afraid to run the football at all. That, that's the difference here. This is not a team that's afraid to run. Think about this, Matt, and I, we won't spend the whole show on Dylan, but if he really is 18%, that to me is, is very low on this. He, he had 21 carries and two targets and played 49% of snaps last game. Granted, it was an odd game with a strange game script where they held Seattle scoreless and end up winning 17, nothing, but I'm not going into this one, expecting it to be just an all out aerial assault on both sides and a, you know, 60 total game. This could be another spot where AJ Dillon, I mean, if you're, let me ask you this, if you're projecting AJ Dillon, let's see if we're on the same page here. If you're projecting total looks for him, um, I prefer that over touches because a target will take it. If you're projecting total looks attempts, uh, rushing attempts, plus targets, what are you projecting for? I would give him 21, 22 and a half, somewhere in there. Same. Over, over 20. Same. At 6,200. Yes. And, yeah. I mean, the way they use Aaron Jones is so dynamic, and they might do this a little bit with A.J. Dillon. I don't think as much, but some of the touch passes Aaron Jones has, like his targets are super convertible because they're basically handoffs that they're using. In, instead of handing it off, they're basically turning it into like a little mini screen, an extension of the run game. So I think just the usage in the past game too is pretty bankable. And I don't think they use AJ Dillon as much in that regard, but he's still a better pass catcher than Patrick Taylor. So I think he does get some of those opportunities, maybe not as much, but still some. So I talked about this with Ben and, and Jordan on the first look show yesterday. I can understand why we would want to get to some of these high end running backs. But once you look at some of the high end wide receivers, I actually think that tier is, is more appealing than running backs this week. You have like Christian McCaffrey against Washington. That's nice, but we do expect Cam Newton to start. You can tell me what you think that does for McCaffrey. You have Dalvin Cook. You have Alvin Kamara. None of these guys outside of kind of McCaffrey are really chalky. Jonathan Taylor in a tough matchup against a really stout Buffalo defense. Most of these top tier players, most of these high end guys, and I'm talking like above 8K. We can talk Nick Chubb in a second. Most of them are guys that I don't mind having because they're so good anyway. But unlike other weeks, I don't know if I'm prioritizing them. Where are you at? I'm with you. I think they're great contrarian plays. And the reason they shouldn't draw as much ownership is you just have the same level of touches from these cheaper backs outside of maybe McCaffrey if he sees that elite workload as a receiver. But like Jonathan Taylor, A.J. Dillon, their projected touches should be very, very similar, nearly identical. And I wouldn't even be surprised if like A.J. Dillon outtouches Jonathan Taylor. Same with Dalvin Cook. Kamara, there's a little interesting wrinkle with the injury, so we just don't know how healthy he's going to be, if that'll be a timeshare with Mark Ingram or not. But ultimately, like paying 8.3K for the same touches in Jonathan Taylor that you're going to get with A.J. Dillon, that you're going to get with James Conner, the build, at least from a cash game perspective, a low-risk perspective, and a chalky perspective, Makes me think these cheaper backs are, are going to be the guys you want to get to, especially in like cash game formats. I think so too. And I was a little bit surprised to see DeAndre Swift's ownership being where it is, Matt. Uh, yeah. He, he's at 
if Jamal Williams returns and DeAndre, and that's not factored in the DeAndre Swift's ownership, I will happily get away from DeAndre. For me, it's just one of these things where if I'm going to Swift, I'd honestly rather play Joe Mixon a little bit more expensive or just go higher or go a little bit lower. I know, I get it. He had 33 carries last game. Totally understood. But this is also a player that's had rushing totals of 39, 37, 47, 16, 51, 24, 48, and 27 over uh, the entire season outside of last week. Love the 33 touches. Love the insane, insane workload that he got. But I, I still feel like that is kind of, kind of a little bit too much for me on a slate where I can get a little bit cheaper or a little bit more expensive and expect more efficiency on a team that might actually score a touchdown. But uh, maybe I'm off here, Matt. No, I agree with you. I think from a contrarian standpoint, love guys like, like Swift Mixon. you could throw Elliot in there. Great, great game environment for him. And we could talk about him in a second, maybe, but ultimately you are giving up a lot by paying up for these expensive running backs. When you get the same touches at a cheaper point, you are foregoing the elite receivers, maybe an elite tight end. If you decide to pay up at that position, you're just taking out a lot more risk. And for tournaments, I think that's fine. You should be making up some of that risk with lower ownership. But a guy like Swift, if he's coming in with that ownership, which is on par with these cheap backs and the touches aren't all that different, he would be an easy fade for me just given the ownership level. And I mean, that was like the perfect storm for Swift in the last game. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers without their quarterbacks. The spread uh, ultimately doesn't change that much, but obviously the downgrade to Mason Rudolph is there. And then they keep the game close enough where Swift can receive those touches. With Detroit typically, and we're seeing it this week as 10-point underdogs against Cleveland, they don't have a really high scoring expectation. And sometimes they're out of games like so quickly and with such a large margin of defeat that Swift just comes out of the game. And they use Godwin, Abuike, and, and Jamar Jefferson, these undrafted free agent type guys, because there's no point in running Swift anymore. So there's a lot of paths to failure for a guy with the same touches as an A.J. Dillon, something like that and at an elevated price. Both of those backups scored last week, and Swift didn't on 38 touches. Yeah, I know. And Swift was a great GPP play last week. I think he's a decent GPP play here, assuming he doesn't get ownership right now. He's projecting for some. So I, I will say this. At the current ownership, I would fade. But if it comes down, I would have a lot more interest in him. Ultimately, it comes down to there's other backs with the same workload in this range that have higher scoring expectations and lower ownership which is how I'm always going to make these decisions. But last week speaking, like Swift was a great GPP play with all the ownership we saw coming in on Ingram and Dearness Johnson. So like for you, those of you that played him in tournaments, I think you feel pretty good about the decision you made, even though it didn't necessarily get there. No question. So we currently do have um, Kareem Hunt projected in for our ownership projections right now. That's going to affect Nick Chubb. There's no doubt about that. I, I don't think he's going to play this week. I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not confident that Kareem Hunt's going to play. If he's out and Nick Chubb returns from the COVID-19 reserve list and gets the Detroit Lions, it's really tough for me not to have some interest in him, Matt, because assuming that he's fine and, and there's no lasting effects I would assume that he takes over easily as the lead back. The Ernest Johnson maybe gets a couple of carries, but 
the problem too is that Nick Chubb in the passing game has been scarcely used. And one area that Detroit has really struggled against running backs has been pass catching running backs. So I'm never against Nick Chubb because I think he's, you know, one of the best or, or the best pure runner in the league. But that price is definitely, at least on DraftKings, there was no doubt in my mind that they have already baked in the matchup heavily for Nick Chubb. I agree with you. I, I thought about this a little bit this week. I think ultimately a lot of people, and this is going to change, I think. But right now, I think the three cash game running backs people are going to play are the cheaper ones, A.J. Dillon and then Miles Gaskin and probably looking at James Conner. And I think for tournaments, you could get contrarian by playing one of the expensive backs. So a Nick Chubb, a, a Dalvin Cook, a McCaffrey, a Kamara, or, or Nick Chubb, one of these guys up here. And that'll flip your build a little bit, give you some leverage. Maybe you correlate that play with a receiver or something. But whoever becomes the least owned in that group becomes the most interesting to me. And I personally think it's going to come in flat. Right now, we have DeAndre Swift at 18%. And then you look down the list, McCaffrey drawing some. We're talking about Chubb right now. And Chubb is on the lower end of this ownership projection. And I think you mentioned a lot of the reasons why that could be. Maybe Kareem Hunt plays the concerns as a pass catcher. But at the same time, Cleveland has a phenomenal implied team total, 27 as 10-point favorites over Detroit. And you mentioned Detroit has hemorrhaged points to running backs in the receiving game. That might not be Nick Chubb's skill set, but I'm not sure they need to use him in that capacity if they play to the actual spread in this game. Again, again, they're 10-point favorites, giving Cleveland a pretty good implied team total on the slate. So right now, I think Nick Chubb not only provides some leverage against the McCaffrey's and the DeAndre Swifts, but he kind of flips your build a little bit. And I think it might be contrarian enough if you play two of the chalky, chalky cheaper guys like Dylan and Connor, and then just maybe one of Nick Chubb or the expensive backs in your flex and a cheaper receiver could be contrarian enough. So I like Chubb from that perspective. Do you like either backs from the, uh, the Jets-Dolphins game? And keep in mind, Joe Flacco is scheduled to start this week over Zach Wilson, over Mike White. I think that... Gaskin is going to project really well. And I think among the cheaper backs, he's probably the most volatile. I'm going to lump him in with James Conner and AJ Dillon here, but they are three and a half point favorites over the jets. So game script should favor miles Gaskin. He's also been involved in the past game. So if for whatever reason, the jets do get up in this game, Gaskin should still be there. But at the same time, his workload has been volatile on a week to week basis. In the beginning of the year, you saw Malcolm Brown getting some work. Salvin Ahmed has popped up for a few couple like extra touches here and there hurting Gaskin. And we saw even Laird involved a little bit last week. I think the workload is most concerning with him, but at the same time, he is the cheapest and he does let you access those expensive receivers. So I have a lot of interest in Gaskin. The quarterback change to Flacco has me a little weary. And you and I talked about this with Mike White. I believe it was a showdown slate. Just his propensity for throwing short was so advantageous to Michael Carter. Big time. Yeah, does putting Joe Flacco in there change that? And I think it has to to some degree because you just don't see quarterbacks throwing the ball downfield at such a low rate, which Mike White was. I do think Flacco's different quarterback overall. We've seen him be risky at times in his career. The target share, you would think, has to come down for Michael Carter, which leads me more towards the Gaskins, leads me more towards the Dillons and the James Connors. Yeah, Mike White was targeting his running backs almost 40% of the time. We saw what happened when he went down with that elbow thing. Josh Johnson didn't target his running backs at all. And, you know, I had the overs on, on Michael Carter receptions, and I knew the moment that Mike White went out, it was, it was over. But, yeah, look, 
I will say this about Gaskin, and this this was a little bit surprising to me, but encouraging if you're thinking about rostering him. He's averaging 19 and a half looks per game over his last four, which is kind of nice. And they've won two in a row. Like his his looks over the last four, 16, 26, 16, and 19. So they have been a little bit more consistent prior to that, uh, 11 and then 15. There was that one game that was weird where Flores didn't use him, but ever since Malcolm Brown went on the IR, Gaskin's handling the large majority of opportunities. That's one thing that makes me feel good. And Matt, he's quietly top. He's quietly fifth in targets in the league amongst running backs. So those are some things that, that, that I can, I can stomach here. And I think, like you said, Carter, both of these guys are fine. The, the jets have had an average of like, I'm not kidding either. 67, I think, points, total points over the last five games that they've played. Uh, every team that faces them is just annihilating them. And, and Miami's not very good. But, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting spot for sure. I, I'm not enamored with either of them. But if I get to some Gaskin and I get to some Michael Carter, I'll be fine with that. Last running back I want to ask you about. Sub 5K, Dante Foreman. I have a sneaky suspicion that – that Foreman is going to take over in this backfield. And while it might still be somewhat of a split, I think you might see more of like a 65-35 split. And what is it about him, Matt, that at college, what do you go to Texas, right? Yes. And, and, and at the NFL level, he is not someone that gets targeted frequently. You know, of course, he ruptured it as his Achilles in Houston. But every time it feels like Deontay Foreman gets a reception, he goes for 30 yards. Like he just makes things happen. He gets never targeted though. He's actually kind of like a poor man's Derrick Henry, where he's this bigger back coming out of school. He was, he was like explosive for his size. I don't know if the ruptured Achilles kind of hurt that or whatever, but very similar to Derrick Henry. He's never been used in the past game. I'm not a hundred percent sure why, but maybe you think there's something behind the scenes here and he's just not a good fit in the past game. I'm not exactly sure. But the concern is there nonetheless. If And I don't expect Tennessee to get down in this game. They're playing Houston. So they should be playing from a favorable game script. But either way, like McNichols is going to come in on those third down situations if they arise in the game. He's certainly going to play that role. And I think part of the reason might be just Adrian Peterson getting acclimated back to the NFL level. I think he is the more trustworthy back just from his experience veteran this league. I just think there's still a lot of risk of running like a three-way timeshare here. Even though Foreman has been clearly more explosive than Peterson, I think the risk is there. For tournaments, you can certainly take it on given the matchup, but there's a lot of good cheap backs on this slate. And there might even be others. Like we'll have to watch with the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire situation. He returned to practice last week, but still wasn't activated. Andy Reid said he has a much better chance to play here. But if he's out again, like Darrell Williams, he's been really efficient. That could be somewhere you look. I, I even think like for contrarian backs, I would rather just pay up in kind of that approach we talked about earlier rather than play a foreman. Okay, fair enough. I, I just last thing I'll say about the running backs. I think Joe Mixon could be a phenomenal contrarian option this week if you start seeing ownership come up heavy in other spots. I mean, he they got blown up by Cleveland last game. He still saw 13 carries and five targets, five receptions. But I could really, I could really see this being a, a game where Mixon goes, you know, well over 20 touches, and against the, a Raiders run defense that has struggled, Mixon doesn't get the love he deserves. He's a little bit pricey, 
But if he's coming in at 5%, I'd have no problem getting a decent amount of mixing against the Raiders. I 100% agree. There's two backs I really like. Actually, let, let's say three because I want to put Nick Chubb in there. If you're taking the approach where you're playing two of the chalk backs and paying up at one of them and flipping the build, I think Nick Chubb's not owned enough. Mixon, for all the reasons you outlined, their favorites over Las Vegas here with a 50-point total. So the game environment's really good for Mixon. And then Ezekiel Elliott coming in. And I, it looked like he split time with Pollard last week. And they do to a degree, but they just killed Atlanta so bad that I think this backfield probably swings back towards Zeke in a game that has the highest total on the board. And they're not even three-point underdogs sitting at two and a half right now. So he should be involved. I like Elliott as a contrarian play too. For sure. Richie says last two Jet games scored at least 60 as Dolphins a contrarian stack in a tournament. Last four Jets games scored at least 60. Richie, they've allowed 45, 45, 31, and 54 points over the last four games. So I, I looked at, so I, we look at like defensive backfields and stuff, obviously before the season. But I went back and I've looked nearly every single week just to see how it's changing with injuries. And it is appalling to look at that Jets defense. Like, <laughs> appall I, and you never want to say like Alabama or something's fielding like a better defense than the Jets. But I mean, like Alabama gets five or six guys drafted in the first round every single year. Like some of these Jets guys are UDFAs and stuff. I, I don't know. The conversation can be had. So you're saying they're that bad. And, and, and I hate, by the way, I hate. I hate the college teams could beat them too thing because like all of these players were at one time in college and now they're professionals, but I get what you're agree. saying. You're saying if it was possible, it might be this Jets secondary. Every single NFL team is better than the best college football team. But I think the closest unit to a college unit is the Jets defense. Okay. Mo like run deep. Uh, what do you think in line? Particularly pass everything. Defense. Their secondary is atrocious. Okay. Yeah. It's that bad. It is that bad. So, yeah, I think two is fine. We'll talk about stacks shortly, but let's sit on prize picks first. Matt, we talk about prize picks all the time on these shows. Um, everything they offer over there is just 100% conducive to using all of the tools that we have, all of the research from all the shows. And even if you're playing on all of these other DFS sites and parlaying that information into some really solid props, put them into lineups, whether it's two, three, four or five, doesn't matter. Uh, it's prop based contests over there. So you're not building salary based lineups. You're not building parlays on traditional sites where if you only hit four out of five, you lose uh, and you get nothing in return. You do them over at, at, at prize picks. You could hit four or five and still two X your entry. You could still make money back. If you hit three or five, you could do the power play where you do four and 10 X your money, but you got to get all of them right. There's so many different way, uh, cool nuances to this uh, that makes it a lot of fun. You got football, baseball, basketball, hockey, esports. There's an insane assortment, an insane menu of sports that many you probably have never even looked at. But if you know those niches, if you if you understand those, you can part. You can use them as uh, as as multi-sport lineups. So it doesn't have to be five from the same sport. It can be from MMA. It can be from golf. Literally whatever they have on there. Uh, and if you use the promo code AWESOMO, receive an instant deposit match up to $100, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. If you go to prizepicks.com, download it in the App Store or in the Google Play Store. But uh, yeah, a really cool format. You're not dealing with sharks, optimizers, any of that stuff, mass entries, just picking two, th two three, four, or five players on the board, over, under, no juice on either side, 
and you don't get a busted parlay when one of five doesn't hit and you win nothing. I think that's one of the most important things. Matt, I got one for you. AJ, and hey, hit these early because they move. Like, I, I like getting to some of these early. They post props before so many other books do. Give me AJ Dillon over 65 and a half rushing yards this week. I had two I wanted to talk about. That was one of them. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's okay. I'm coming. I'm coming in with two. I thought this might happen, but there's a couple ways I think to approach prize picks early in the week. You have a really good advantage just knowing the sport. You know, who's hurt from the week before. Maybe you're just capitalizing on that Wednesday injury report. You know how these teams rotations are changing with AJ Dillon here. I think you gain an edge just by knowing the nuances of the green Bay Packers. Not only is Aaron Jones out, but their third string Kylan Hill is a torn ACL. They only have a UDFA Patrick Taylor behind him to get the ball. Their favorites over the Vikings in a good game environment. It would take a lot for AJ Dillon not to hit this over 65 and a half is one I really like. And I think you can capitalize as well on a miles Gaskin over on rushing yards. 35 and a half just seems way too low for a favorite against the New York Jets, a defense we just ripped pretty bad. Gaskins, like you mentioned early in the show, is quietly seeing a ton of work. A lot of that coming in the past game because they've been trailing a lot, but he's also been the lead back when they're up in games. There's a ceiling there from a rushing perspective. I like Gaskin as well. I do too. There's a lot of good ones right now, I think. I I think you get some inefficient lines this early in the week, Matt. For sure. You got to hit them early. If you're doing this late in the week, I think the biggest edge is just cross-referencing with our projections. But right now, Wednesday, Thursday, these are the days you want to be taking these because the lines change. Right. So get them in. You get five, you, you 10x your entry fee on, on, on a five. If you hit five, you're still 2x on a four. Uh, it's a really cool platform. I know a lot of you guys are already playing there. So if you're not, use the promo code AWESOME when you sign up. $100 match deposit bonus. It's A-W-E-S-E-M-L, prizepicks.com, App Store, Google Play Store. You got it. All right. Yo, how about... Uh, how about the wide receivers at the top? Try and tell me this isn't stacked, Matt. Just absolutely stacked with Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, T. Higgins. Well, that's ownership, but let me just talk about the high price guys. Stefan Diggs. I love Diggs this week. Again, um, you could make an argument for a lower owned Debo Samuel. AJ Brown's got Houston. I think that's tough, but still, like CeeDee Lamb's getting zero ownership right now. It's just so loaded above 7K. And there's a lot of ways to get to some of these guys too. I, I think it's going to be hard to play two of the absolute elite studs. So deciding between like a Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams is going to be a key decision point on this week's slate. I, I do find it very challenging to play them both in the same lineup, even if you, you are playing the three cheaper backs. Like you're probably going to have to pay near min price for your third receiver if you do that. So deciding between the two is going to be very difficult. Right now we have Devonte Adams projecting much better than Tyreek Hill, but I think that could kind of converge throughout the week. You have just such a good game environment in Kansas City, and there's the the late news we'll wait for on the running back position, so we didn't talk about this game a lot, but it is a 56.5 point total. Kansas City, two and a half point favorites over Dallas. That I'm really happy that Kansas City kind of righted the ship a little bit last week with their offense. They had really struggled the three weeks prior, so seeing Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey playing as well as they did was positive. The total tells us everything. This is going to be an explosive game. And right now, Tyreek Hill's just not as expensive as he should be with that game occurring on the primetime slate. Him and Patrick Mahomes did not receive the requisite price bump that they should have. So I I like Tyreek Hill quite a bit right now if you're just taking a look between the two absolute elite receivers. I'm with you. But I got to ask you about CeeDee Lamb, right? Because Mm -hmm. 
it, we'll get to our top stacks. That's always my favorite segment of the show. We close the show out with that because we have the top stacks tool that uh, allows us to see the leverage scores on these stacks, the top stack probability, the, the, the expected ownership on these guys, um, all of that stuff. Like, it's just, it's an awesome tool. Check it out at, at awesome.com if you'd like. Uh, and if you're curious and you want to get a, and you want to get a discounted week, use the promo code specific to this show. Um, oh, wait, we're doing, we're doing the coach K one. Okay. That's, so, that's, that's the college basketball promo. All right. I know that's actually, if you want to get all of our college basketball projections created by this guy, they've been crushing. They're fantastic. And those niche sports can win you a lot of money. Coach K all one word. Use that when you sign up, get five ninety nine for the entire week of college basketball projections. But I was going to say with, with ownership, player projections, top stack, boom, bust, lineup builder, all of that stuff, all created by the number one ranked player out there. Awesome. himself, awesome. slash join. You want to check these out. We do a lot of free content. That's usually behind paywall. We rotate each day. So if you want to wait around and see when it's free next, I don't know when it'll be. You can do that. But if you want to jump in, you can do an express weekly pass. You can do a just NFL weekly, monthly, make a real investment, go annual, do whatever you want. Uh, you can do every sport for the month, week, whatever. But uh, if you want to, you can check it all out and join the Discord office hours. Make sure that you're getting in that as well and letting the pros help you out and refine your game. But um, yeah, Matt, I, I guess what I'm saying here with the top stack tool is when I look at this, I see a Dallas team that, is getting nowhere near the projected ownership as, and this is not just a quarterback, but this is wide receivers as well. Nowhere near that uh, as Kansas city understandable. Cause there's a lot of, of, of diverse options in this, in this offense. Now that Gallup is, is available, but yeah, no ownership going to the wide receivers for Dallas. This is one of the most mispriced slates on DraftKings that I can remember in a while at first glance. And we've had a couple mispricings throughout the year, like Dearness Johnson stands out last week. We had the Kareem Hunt week. That's usually injury related. There's some of that this week with AJ Dillon, James Conner still not being as expensive as they should be, but they also missed Kansas City on prime time. So they did not receive the bump they should for like the ultimate Kansas City team we've come to know and love. So right now, Dak Prescott, he's a lower owned quarterback. I don't think it's because of anything wrong Dak Prescott has done. He's actually played fairly well outside of that like crazy Denver game. But it's just they mispriced Mahomes so much that he's drawing so much quarterback ownership, and that's kind of stemming down into the stacks. You can leverage this really awesome game environment by playing the Cowboy side. Like you mentioned, we, we, you hit on C.D. Lamb beforehand. He's, he's kind of your direct one-for-one -one pivot from a Tyree kill. They're only 800 difference in price. But you can also come down and play Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup yep. or may, maybe even a tight end who just – they are a little more owned than CD, but we're talking about single digit ownership for both of them. Amari Cooper coming in at seven and a half percent right now. Gallup coming in just shy of 7%. And maybe that climbs a little bit, but how high does it actually get with so many elite options on the slate and other stacks we want? I think you can easily run like a Dak stack to, maybe you do play CD Lamb and then you run like a Gallup and then you can play one of the elite Chiefs options on the other side. If you take like Mahomes, Hill and Kelsey, you still pay a ton in salary for that. So I actually think I kind of like the Dallas side, not only because of ownership leverage you're gaining, but it's cheaper. I know, man. I I, I know. I, I, I'm 100% with you, and that was shocking to me. I, I, of course, I get it that Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, unless it's a primetime game where Byron Pringle is guaranteed a touchdown, 
the, it's true. All of his touchdowns are in primetime games this year. All of them. But it, like Kelsey and, and, and Hill are the two premier options. You can say, of course, that CeeDee Lamb and, and Cooper are, but it has been a strange year, Matt. And they have seen lower passing volume, I think, than any of us would have expected. I, I think it was a fool's errand to anticipate Dak Prescott throwing as much this year as he did last season through the first five weeks, especially since they improved their defense, their offensive line was healthy again. But there are like, these are volatile players, but that's what you want in tournaments. And be it Schultz, Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, do they have slate-breaking upside, slate-winning upside in this game that you said as a 56.5-point total? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I hear you. Now, I, I wanted to ask you about Higgins, though. I was I was doing a fantasy a, a start sit video for our fantasy football channel. Check that out, by the way, uh, awesomeo fantasy football channel. And I, I realized that Higgins has actually been remarkably consistent. He just has had no ceiling this year. But if you look at the games that he has played, he's played seven of nine. He only has a one and a half percent lower target share than Jamar Chase. He has a higher red zone target share highest on the team and he's still been targeted at a decent clip but he doesn't have those huge deep looks that you get from chase and i went over to next gen stats t higgins is getting the fourth least separation in the league some players are good at producing with low separation with you know not getting a lot of separation on targets but his contested catch rate is kind of leaving a lot to be desired, but Joe Burrow is still targeting him. So it's like a weird combination here of he's still getting targeted, but there are some things that worry me about Higgins. I could see this shooting out though, Matt, against the Raiders. I agree with the shootout. I, I have a thought on the separation and I don't have an answer for it. And maybe we can dig this up at some point in the show, but was the separation markedly different than last year? I know no. T Higgins has been, it wasn't it last year. No, was, but his contested catch rate last year was shit. So is he, so he's doing better this year then. So he's doing a little bit better on, 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 well, just on contested catches. Yeah. He's like 35% or something. So that's what I'm saying. Like Allen Robinson has never been a guy that gets a lot of separation, right? There's a lot of good receivers out there that don't rely on separation. I'm just hoping that T Higgins can be one of them because if you're not getting separation and you're not as talented as Allen Robinson, I'm not saying he isn't, then we might have some, some underwhelming games again. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, one thing you, you pointed out, I think is really interesting with T Higgins having that elite red zone share is that he hasn't scored since week two. I know so maybe he could access his ceiling in other ways, not just through raw target volume, in in-game environments like Cincinnati's projecting to be in this week, 50-point total, slight favorites over Las Vegas, potentially pointing to a back-and-forth affair. If they just score a lot of points, like T. Higgins could access the ceiling through touchdowns. So it's nice to see that the red zone target share is there, even though it hasn't equated to touchdowns. That creates a buy-low situation on Higgins. I think the offense is explosive, and I do think some of the underlying metrics are a little depressed based on how Cincinnati played really early in the year. Their pass rate has ticked up. Their, their volume, their pace is ticked up as well. So I, I do think there's a little bit of positive regression, not just for Tiggin, Higgins as a player, but for the offense as a whole. So I, I like him in that range. I do think there are other options if Higgins comes in really high owned. In the same price range, you have like Jalen Waddell. Again, that's a good matchup against the Jets. And I think Miami can kind of play whatever style of football they want to take advantage of the Jets. 
but there's like buy low situations for DJ Moore's in the price range. Jarvis Landry's a guy who theoretically should get a lot of targets and they, they haven't because they decide to be like a, a run first team. But even if you go a little cheaper, like Cole Beasley's right there is a cheap attachment to Buffalo. So if Higgins draws the ownership in tournaments, I'm comfortable getting away from him. Absolutely. Because it, listen, what we've seen is it's, can he score? Yeah. Is he getting some targets there? Yeah. But has he generally been like a 10 to 15 fantasy point per game player? Yeah, he has. And really, Matt, even if he finishes with 18 or 20, you'd be fine having him. But there are definitely pivots in a similar price range around there that that can get you that 18 to 20 or more with lower ownership. And that's, you know, Ben talks about this a lot as well. That is definitely one way to look at it. Like, yeah, he's fine, but there there are different there are ways to differentiate there. Like, I don't think Corey Davis against the Jets is or against Miami is the craziest idea. I'm right, glad that, you brought him up. I like him a lot. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just coming off the injury, like he looked like a full-time player. Target share was there. He's the best receiver on the team. So I think the biggest concern was health. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, and 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 really, Joe Flacco's no downgrade from Mike White or Zach Wilson. We keep saying that every time a new quarterback comes into the yeah. Jets. It's like, well, <laughs> he's not a downgrade from the guy before. Yo, not fair to Mike White, though. I guarantee you. Any any Jets quarterback against that Buffalo defense would have had as bad of a game. He was set up for failure. Even if Zach Wilson was good to return, they'd have been crazy to throw him out there against that Buffalo defense, Matt. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think for Corey Davis, Flacco might even be better just with the propensity Mike White for, mm-hmm. had for throwing to backs and like slot receivers. You might be Flacco, right. Flacco maybe is an uptick in volume. I don't, efficiency is questionable. I don't think either guy's like the signal caller of the future, but maybe volume gets a little better. You know, he's not a high dot guy, but is Tyler Boyd a pivot off of T. Higgins? I like Tyler Boyd as a pivot, too. He's another guy I had circled in this range to talk about. And again, he's the third receiver for this team. But there's big explosive games for this Cincinnati passing attack. It's similar to like a Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, if you're talking about Buffalo or like a lot of people play Miko Harmon for the Chiefs based on the same thesis. Teams that score a lot of points, these third receivers are going to pop up for big games once in a while. Boyd hasn't had the like most voluminous role in this offense, but he's still a full-time player. He's operating out of the slot and Las Vegas secondary continues to get worse. Like cutting Damon Arnett didn't help. And I mean, they played well to start the year, but they've consistently gotten worse. Right. Hey, Matt. uh, Should we shout out our loyal, awesome avatar rocking winners here in the hall of fame segment? I think we should. Yeah, definitely. We got to give the people some credit. Got to give the people some credit. Got to give them what they want. Awesome Hall of Fame. If you don't know what it is, if you sport the awesome avatar on FanDuel, DraftKings, Yahoo, doesn't matter where it is. Finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more. Can't chop it with more than three. We'd go out of business that way because we just have so many awesome avatars at the top of those showdown slates. And tweet your win to awesomehof at awesomehof. Include Matt and myself in that too because we like to see it. You win a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum, $90 value. Every single thing on the site is yours for the month. All you have to do is rock that avatar at awesome.com slash avatar to grab it and tweet your wins at Awesome HOF. So let me, uh, let me hit them here. We had T.O. Deck yesterday, right, with the insane ones back-to-back, Matt, like 20,000 and 13,000 in back-to-back days on Showdown NFL slates, um, which is awesome. But 
This one, we got Billy saying, took down third in the Minimax. Thanks to the amazing, awesome like, tools. Thanks, guys, for everything. Love all the shows, and I'm proud to be a part of the team. Proud to have you, man. And, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's a Minimax. You still get the, the free month. doesn't matter if you're entering a $0.10 cent contest or a, a $1,000 contest, but congrats on that, Billy. Landon says, credit all my DFS success to the guys at Awesome. Thank you for your hard work. Before I started using your advice, I was barely min-cashing. And then boom, third, third, and first. You only get one free month, but very happy to see that cash, man. And then uh, Sean Zahn, we know Sean Zahn. He's behind the scenes here at Osama, but this man has a long, long, long successful career in the DFS world. $44,000 first place in the showdown slate. Congrats to you, brother. Yeah, he does a lot of work on these great tools that we have at Osama. Oh, here's T.O. Deck. First year with Awesome, my first five-figure takedown. I can't thank you guys enough. Best tools and knowledge dropping in the biz. I love all of you. And then the next day follows it up with the back-to-back -back Sunday night, Monday night football. Impossible to work a nine-to-five and succeed without these guys. I love this squad. Congrats, man, to all of you. And uh, you know what? It's fun to get the free month, but it's even more fun to get all those likes and retweets and, and compliments and on Twitter, all the shout-outs, and then come on here as well. So, Matt. I love this comment where he said, I, I work, it's impossible to work a nine to five and succeed without these guys. Alex always said that was the purpose. Like I want to build tools for people that can't spend 40 hours a week on DFS. So made me happy. Yeah. I love to hear that. I think it kind of normalizes the playing field for a lot of people. And the one thing I really like about our tools is just how accessible they are. Like we're, we're talking a lot about the top stacks tool for NFL today. So I'll just reference that it gives you really easy metrics to kind of take a look and see like how only stacks are versus how only they should be with a really easy metric and like leverage score. And we have that across sports. So just the ease of using the tools is the biggest thing for me. So, Hey, let's do that. Hit the top stack tool, but do a quick run through of tight ends. First, I'll just point one thing out to you. Our ownership projections right now have Dallas Goddard in. Now, while they aren't free today, our NBA player projections and our PGA rankings are free. You do not need a subscription if you want to go to awesomeo.com and check them out. But we have Dallas Goddard in. I worry that Dallas Goddard misses this game, Matt. He's in the concussion protocol right now. He took a shot to the dome. And I couldn't believe they didn't call it, but he was wobbled. If he sits, I will say Devontae Smith actually becomes very interesting to me, even in a tough matchup against a pass funnel D. But what do you do at tight end? You've got Waller, you've got Kelsey, and then guys like Dan Arnold climbing up the ranks lately. Yeah, Dan Arnold, the volume king, the garbage time king. He's in the old Allen Robinson role from the yep. Jaguars with Blake Bortles, only this time it's Trevor Lawrence. At the top, I want to highlight Waller. He's coming off the worst game of the season. The volume's not drastically different. The game environment is very good against Cincinnati. They're only one and a half point underdogs. And I mean, the, the passing funnel is still pretty condensed between him and Renfro. You can buy really low on him right now. And he's actually our second highest projected tight end from a points perspective, narrowly behind Kelsey. It's within two points and you're saving a lot of money by going to Waller. I do think he'll be popular, but not drastically. So we're talking about not even 2% ownership difference between him and Kelsey. So he's a player I really like at the top. Kelsey, hard to ignore him, just correlated with Patrick Mahomes in the best game environment. But going down the list, like Dan Arnold is still not expensive enough. The guy has a really voluminous role with Jacksonville. It's not a role that has a high scoring expectation, but the targets are locked in. I, I do think there's some viable cheaper options for those of you just looking for pure punts way, way down the list. And we'll see with injury news how this shakes out through the week. 
But Cole Komet's benefited from a Bears offense that has taken a step forward. They're passing more fields, looks a lot better. And then even like a Dawson Knox could be a direct pivot off of a Dan Arnold. Similar price range. He had the one catch last week, caught his only target. But coming off the injury, he played over 80% of the snaps, 80% of the routes. You love that for Dawson Knox as a cheap attachment to this Bills offense. Love it. And I, I'll point one thing out. I do worry, of course, that San Francisco just goes crazy and, and, and runs the ball 100 times again, which if that's the case, you might want to consider Eli Mitchell. I don't know where his ownership's at right now because he's the clear lead back. Uh, but George Kittle leads the team in red zone targets since he returned. We were waiting on that touchdown regression, Matt, and it's nice to see that. Uh, I do worry about that volume at his price point, though. So uh, I, I'd probably not be too inclined to go there. You hit on most of the guys that, that I was looking at as well. But I will say, where is he? Where is he? I had, oh, I will say Adam Troutman, if you're looking to full out punt down to the bottom, is, is not the craziest idea, just given that you're probably looking at a guy against, against a team, horrible linebackers. They can't defend the tight ends. That's not crazy to me. His, his volume has been up. And now you actually have a pocket passer that will throw the ball in Trevor Simeon. Doesn't mean he's good, but Troutman's been involved. And Matt, I have one more for you, okay? You want to talk going all the way to the bottom. I've got one down there too. I want to know if we have the same guy. Okay. I'll go. I'll go. Jeff Swain is not, not who you had. You had someone else, huh? I had someone else. Yeah. Okay. So Jeff Swain is actually getting used. Julio's on the IR. He has five, four and five targets over his last uh, three games. He's scored in two of them. If you get four, for 30 and a touchdown at 2,800 from Swain, mind you, facing Houston, a lot of red zone opportunities, no more Derrick Henry, no real good goal line back, no Julio Jones. I think Swain could be real solid at 300 above minimum salary. What do you have? I have a really gross one, but you're going to like this. Adam Shaheen from Miami at the Stone Men. People, <laughs> okay. People love Mike Jasicki. I love him too. He's a great tight end play, but he is not a tight end. He's a receiver. Yep. When they're using 12 personnel, which is almost every single play, Jasicki's flexed out into the slot. Shaheen is about a 50 to 60% player in this offense, but four targets last week. He's on the field a decent amount and he's the stone minimum. Don't be scared by Jasicki also carrying that tight end designation. Shaheen, Jasicki's a receiver. Shaheen's actually the tight end. I like that. It's funny. I was thinking about this. By the way, guys, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. We're, we're about to head out, but a couple more things. Uh, before, I was thinking the other day, like, how can you tell if someone uses Odd Shopper to find bets? And it's like, you could have looked at my wagers on, on uh, Thursday Night Football, Matt, where I had the over on Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen uh, receiving yards. So, uh, yeah. You must like, have cashed that on the one. The Shaheen had that, like, one for 23 or no, he had no like, it was kind of an acrobatic for... catch too. Yes. Shaheen had it on his first reception and then Smite had it late in the game. He only had one target one for 23, but I'm saying like how sick are the, the, the thing about odd shopper to me. That's awesome. Is you're getting these kind of like real, real niche up plays where there's inefficient lines because no one's betting them. And we just have better projections than what the prop lines are at. 100% agree. That's like late in the week, especially right before games. I think the biggest edge is just cross-referencing projections versus the lines. And Odd Shopper does it for you. No, it, it, that's, that's the best part. And they tell you what the expected win rate and expected ROI is. Uh, I, dude, it's so great for those type of players. I've been hammering props with players that I never would have really been looking at before 
and I don't have to do the projections myself. All right, Matt, before we go, give me your top stack option, your top leverage stack, and then your worst stack in terms of leverage. Like it's like you think it's just too high owned and you don't want to get there. All right. Well, one, we, we already talked about, I think the best stack of the week right now, which is Dallas. So I, I won't labor that too much, but they're just coming in way well, they're too the best leverage on. stack too, then for you, right? They got to yes, be. Yeah, I think so. Like Kansas city is a really positive leverage score because Mahomes is just too cheap, but he's also drawing a lot of ownership. So I love Dallas down there. Seattle, I think is a great buy low, especially if Kyler returns, if Kyler returns, I think we see the over tick above 50 points here. In Seattle, I mean, the two red zone interceptions for Seattle last week, the game was horrible, but it easily could have been closer to the shootout that Vegas projected. Another week back for Russell Wilson. I like them as an underdog, and that is a 49-point total again. Watch the status of Kyler. I think that's an interesting one to monitor. I think as far as, like, high-owned stacks go, I'll point to, like, Minnesota. They're a team that has a really expensive stack overall with Jeff Jefferson and Thielen being the preferred guys you want to get to. I understand the game environment is very good there, but based on our tools right now, they're coming in with more ownership than they should. I think they might use Dalvin Cook a little more as he gets healthier, making Kirk Cousins and some of the pass catchers a little too expensive, and that's borne out in the tools. I love it. I'm going to go Buffalo. Uh, Indianapolis secondary, they are a true pass funnel defense. The Bills do not want to run the football anyway. Forget about what we saw with Trevor Lawrence. Just a disaster last week, but that is all on him. Uh, I, I'm, I love the Bills this week. They are expensive. I get that. But I think they should be even higher owned right now than they are. And you can go with a Beasley. You can go with a Sanders if you want to go with, with Diggs and then get a cheaper option. Dawson Knox, you mentioned Matt. People are going to be off of him after last week. I really, really like that. If there's a team that I'm just really not excited about, um, right now, we just have Arizona with such a low leverage score, and it's so hard even if you get the stack right to predict which of the pass catchers are going to get the job done. So that's a spot that I'm a little worried about, and I do think Seattle's defense has been uh, a little bit better lately. So we'll close it with this. Ray P. asked, Matt, and you can answer this, in what order, thanks for the super chat, Ray, in what order would you rank the following for a tournament? DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, Devonta, and T. Higgins, thanks in advance. And I'll preface this with ownership does change throughout the week leading up to Sunday. I think my number one and two are Devontae Smith with the potential for Dallas Goddard to be out. And then DJ Moore, a guy who's had really good opportunity but struggled through quarterback play. If Newton can even be a slight upgrade, I think DJ Moore and his volume could be a, a solid one. I love T. Higgins, but he's drawing the most ownership, so I'll put him third. Okay. Hey, appreciate you guys as always for hanging out with us. Follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski. Me at Lafay underscore D. Shout out to your boy, Mike Lawrence, for producing the show. We'll be back with you tomorrow. The Marathon Matchup Show. Bring your coffee. Bring your drugs if you have to. Bring a large meal, maybe dinner as well. We're breaking all 12 games down tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Stick around later on the day. Deeper Dive NBA, Live Before Log. Everything coming up right here at awesomeo.com. Peace.